Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. We're in Ephesians. And we've been in Ephesians for a minute because we had to shut down, was it last week? Last week our air conditioner just went and so we had to put in a new air conditioner. And so we did. Y'all comfortable enough? Good. But, so we're going to be back in Ephesians this week. We're starting in verse 11. And where I'm going to work the best I can to get through verse 22. <laughs> um, chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. And last week we talked from, or the week before that when we were here, we were talking about how we were dead in our trespasses, that, that we were sinful, that we had no ability to respond to God. And in fact, none of us have an ability to respond to God except that God draw us by the power of His Spirit. Amen? And that He has extended that grace to us, like I just prayed, through faith, so that we can recognize, acknowledge, walk on, and stand in the fact that we didn't do it ourselves. That Christ, by the work of the cross, did that work, moved us from dead to alive in Christ Jesus and that we're obligated because of that fact to live according to the spirit which brings eternal life not the flesh which brings corruption and damnation amen and so we talked about that to the, to the degree that I'm, I'm capable and we ended with this verse in verse 10 he says for we are his workmanship after he just said, I've saved you, I've done all this stuff, he said, now you have a responsibility. Paul didn't say that. God, through his Spirit, is writing through Paul. We are saved by grace through faith, but we have a responsibility to that which has been done in us. In verse 10 he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. And so God planned for us to do good works. We are His workmanship for the sake of doing something besides sitting on our rear end in a church service feeling good about our time, listening to Pastor Jim preach or whatever. The fact of the matter is, we're called to do more. And that's where we ended up. But the question is, how can we do more if we're divided? <clears throat> I've had several conversations over the last few weeks with different churches, with different parachurch organizations and ultimately I've come to the realization and it's not something that I came to this week but it's been affirmed and affirmed and affirmed again that the church largely and parachurch ministry organizations stand divided we let our secondary theologies we let our really even our cultures divide us and it shouldn't be this way it, but according to this text we have been united and should stand united. But not just united with other Christians. We've been united specifically, as Paul is discussing, we have been reconciled to Jewish people who, who we were directly opposed to and they were directly opposed to us. I want to read you something. It was a Jewish saying that says, this is how much they hate dead, the Gentiles. 
believed that Gentiles were created to fuel, quote-unquote, fuel the fires of hell. And a common phrase among the Jewish at the time was the best of serpents crush them and the best of Gentiles kill them. That's, that's opposition. That is the attitude that they had towards us. And we're all, these filthy Jews, how they treat us like this. Fact of the matter is, we've treated all of society the same way. Gentiles, specifically, white Gentiles, Greek Gentiles, have largely only been concerned throughout history with their own ideologies. And we have allowed ourselves to be divided, divided from everything culture to political agendas. We've all determined to come up with our own tribe to the degree that we would fight even about which football team we, we favor the most. That's ridiculous. The fact of the matter is, if we can stand on one truth, and that truth that Christ Jesus died so that we might have eternal life, we can be united. Because it's on this truth that all other truths exist. Amen? And so Paul is telling the church that, listen, we have, we can accomplish this workmanship, this, this greater work that God has called us to as His workmanship because of who we are now, not because of who we were. And I don't know about you guys, but who I was used to be a lot worse than who I am now, and who I hope to be in 10 years is a lot better than who I am right now. So we are a workmanship, still a work in progress, intended for good works, but we have to recognize who we were and who we are now. And I think this is the question that Paul is asking. How can we do what we've been called to do if we're divided? Two, starting in verse 11, reads like this. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, that's who he's talking to in, largely in the Ephesian church, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, that is, the Jews, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. This should freak us out. It says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barriers of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace. <coughs> and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came, that is Jesus, and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself believe being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together in a dwelling of God in the spirit. Amen. Man, that's a mouthful of theology right there. 
I'm going to do the best I can to get through it. If I don't, then we'll pick it up next week. There's three points I want to make out of this. They're, they're not general, but they are, they are very pointed. We have to realize that first, we were alienated. He says, therefore, because of what I've just told you, because of the fact that you were made for good works, because you are His workmanship, because He extended grace to you, and you've accepted that grace and faith, because you are now alive in Christ, where you were dead in your sins, because of all of those things, therefore, remember that, you, that formerly you the Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision which is performed in the flesh by human hands and then he lists all this stuff but let me draw your attention to a specific word if we were alienated we were separated we didn't have the promises that the Israelites had we need to remember who we were I'm going to say that again. We have to establish a heart of remembrance. If you'll look through the Old Testament, and even as Paul talks, he talks a lot, especially like in the book of Hebrews. Remember that you were saved out of this. And, and he talks a lot about Moses and how Moses, we were slaves in Egypt. And God sent Moses that we be freed from that slavery. That in that slavery, God led us to the promised land. And in fact, brought us into the promised land. This is the same truth for us. We were slaves to sin. Now no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. We need to remember that fact. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we might be released from that slavery of sin. And then He leads us by the power of His Holy Spirit through this life, this desert that we live in, so that ultimately He might lead us into the hope of our eternity. But we need to cultivate a heart of remembrance. Do you know why? Because cultivating a heart of remembrance cultivates a heart of thanksgiving. When I sit and think about who I was, when I sit and think that God allowed me to wake up this morning, when I remember the goodness, the kindness, the long-suffering that God has offered me, when I look at my bride and I see the beauty of who she is, the beauty of what she walks in, the beauty of what she stands for, I see God reflected, God's love reflected in her, and I am thankful because I remember the God that sent me my wife. Amen? When I think about all the things in my life, when I think about my children, my grandson, when I think about the fact that God gave me the strength to be able to stand here and speak, when in fact I could be dead, and I'm not. I am thankful. I remember who I am and become thankful. We just Can we be a thankful church? Can we be people who take this out of our mouth, this negativity, this constant bickering, and this constant seeming desire to create confusion and say it stops right here because that's not who we are anymore that's who we were Paul says in Romans chapter 3 it's not in my notes but let's go there for a second we're familiar with the text that says 
for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But let me keep you in remembrance of who you were. There was no one righteous, not even one. Verse 10, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. We were useless, good for nothing, great for the ash pile. That was about it. But God, through His Son Christ Jesus, saved us. Our mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Our feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in our, in our paths, that is, in our plans. We make plans that cause our own destruction and misery. And the path of peace we don't understand. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I tell you, I wish, I pray, let this be who we used to be, not who we are. And the only way we're not going to allow that to be who we are is to keep in remembrance of what God did for us so that we wouldn't have to be those things. And then stop being those things. Is everybody all right with that? Because some of us, myself included, from time to time, I still have spiteful words in my mouth. From time to time, I still make plans that end up for my own destruction that I have to repent of. I still do things I shouldn't do. My feet sometimes tread where they shouldn't tread. I think thoughts that sometimes I shouldn't think. But I remember the goodness of God. And I remember that because of the goodness of God, I'm no longer dead in my trespasses, but I am alive in Christ Jesus, empowered by the Spirit to walk beyond all of those things and become better than I could have ever been had Jesus Christ not died. And you're all, man, you're not really sticking with the text. I'm just talking about remembering first. Because we have to remember who we were so that we might glorify God for who we are. Amen? I want that for me. I want that for you. Because it's so easy in today's world to get mired down in the muck and the craziness. But at the end of the day, life's but a vapor. Let's focus on real things. Let's focus on the fact that it doesn't matter. Persecute me, crush me, kill me. My hope in eternity is greater than my own life. And I'm not saying that because it's what preachers say. We should all get to a place to be able to say the same thing. Because 10,000 years from now and 10,000 years after that and 10,000 years after that, it won't matter if somebody took me and nailed me to a cross and peeled my skin off my bones. Because I won't remember it anyway because I'll be forever in the presence of a mighty God. We're literally wrapped up in the application process for the job that we want. Stop worrying about the application process and worry about the job that you want. That's good. But it starts with remembering that we were all of these things. That we were separated from Christ. We were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Which means we were strangers to the covenants of promise. No promise that was given to the Jews belonged to us except that Christ Jesus reconciled us where we were previously alienated. The work of Christ Jesus caused us to no longer be strangers to the covenant, but to be recipients of the covenant. No longer having no hope, but instead having hope. And not just hope, 
like, man, I hope that works out. But let me plant my flag right here and hope beyond any comprehensible thing that my future is certain in Christ Jesus. It would do us good to remember those things. And without God in the world, I may be a lot of stuff, but I am not without hope. I am not alienated from the covenant, the promises of God. I am not separated from God because I am in Christ Jesus. Can we start making that confession before we get out of bed in the morning? I don't care that my life's going to be hard today. I'm not separated from Christ. I don't care that my future physical may look bleak. I don't have a plan. I don't have the finances that I would like to have. I have a covenant of the promises of God to say that He will take care of me, meet my needs, and anything I ask according to His will, He hears me, and because He hears me, I have what I ask for. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to establish some peace and some comfort in you because you're not that person anymore. And I praise God for that. I want you to praise God for that. There's people in this room that are hurting, that are struggling, that are confused. Let me tell you, in Christ Jesus, 10,000 years from now, because of the hope that you have, you will be forever in the presence of love, and it won't matter. You're all, man, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. But I know that Jesus is the answer to what you're going through. We were alienated. But I want to say again, we were alienated. And Christ destroyed the enmity that was between us and God by the blood that He shed. It was His blood that saved us. His blood that had to be shed for us. Because without the shedding of blood, there is what? There is no remission of sin but shed but shed blood had to happen because death had to happen because the penalty of death the penalty for sin is death but we serve a god that is so good so loving so kind he determined destroy the to destroy the enmity between us and god by shedding his own blood and not ours by taking a death that we owed upon himself and that should be remembered amen i haven't even got to the good part yet Actually, that is the good part. I said, that's not true. That's the good part. Turn that frown upside down, people of God. You are loved. And you are cared for. And you serve an infinite God that sees you, that loves you, that desires to be in relationship with you, that has a transcendent view of your life. That sees your life from beginning to end. From a, from a perspective where he can literally see it all at the same time. Because he's not bound by time. And I know because I belong to him and he's in my tomorrow. My tomorrow is going to be okay. And if it's not, I had asked a guy one time. I said, how you doing? He goes, any day above ground is a good day. And I said, praise God, but any day below ground is going to be a better day. That's the perspective we need to have because of the hope that we have. Because we were alienated, but we're not alienated now. Amen? I might preach a little today. 
We've been reconciled to God. Colossians 1, 21 and 22. And although we were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you. That means brings you together in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him, God, holy and blameless and beyond reproach. I'm overwhelmed by the idea that at some point in my future, not theoretically, but profoundly, at some point in my future, I'm going to stand before the throne of God. And because of the work of grace in my life, because of the mercy and compassion God extended to me because he didn't and couldn't stand to see me in the condition I was in. And I'll stand there holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And I will hear at that point, well done, good and faithful servant. Shouldn't we remember that? Isn't this the thing, even though we were alienated, that we should remember? We're not alienated with God anymore. But now I'll tell you, that's not what Paul's talking about. I just felt like you needed to know. Paul wasn't talking about our alienation between us and God. He was talking about the alienation between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. But you know what? We've been reconciled too. Verses 13 through 18 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All that other stuff doesn't matter. For he himself is our peace. <coughs> who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. And through him you have both accessed one spirit to the Father. So not only is by the blood of Jesus Christ, according to this text, have we been reconciled to God, no longer alienated, but we've been reconciled to one another. Everything that the Jews were promised, we are promised. The enmity that stood between us. This quote that I told you, the best of Gentiles kill, should no longer exist between people. And I'm going to extend that and say beyond just Jew and Gentile. It's time that we start looking at each other like Christ looks at us. Because it's in Christ Jesus that we've been unified. He came and preached, shed his blood and preached to those who were near and those who were far off. Destroying the conflict in us. I don't want you to worry about. Matter of fact, I charge you to not worry about what color your skin is, what your economic social status is, what part of town you live in, where, where you were. I don't, I don't care what family you came from. I don't care if you have more money than the guy that walks in here and passes out drunk or from a heroin problem. 
God loves all people and sent his son to die for all people, destroying the enmity between all people. That's the reason our philosophy of ministry is what it is. Love them, serve them, speak kindly to them, because we can't save them. Only Christ can save them. But because we've been reconciled together through the blood of Jesus Christ, we should be able to love people no matter what they look like, what they act like, and who they are and what they're dealing with. I sat across from a guy this week that said, our culture is what it is unless you're a middle class professional, upper middle class professional, you're probably not going to fit in in our church. And I will shut this joint down before that ever becomes the truth in here. Because I don't care how much money you have. If you can't pray with a guy who's, like I said, a heroin addict in here and has two nickels to rub together, your heart ain't right. You got a problem. That guy with a heroin problem has an earthly problem. You got a spiritual problem. God made us to love one another. Destroyed the enmity with us. And he started with between us and the Jews. He tore down the barriers and the dividing wall. There was a physical barrier between Jews and Gentiles in the temple place. But through Christ Jesus, those barriers no longer exist. And in Christ Jesus, those barriers shouldn't exist between us. This is the cry of my heart. Love one another. Love God with everything you are and love one another enough to show God to the people you know. That's why the dividing wall was torn down, so that all together we might come to a place where in verse 18, that through Him, we both, we all, have access to, in one spirit to the Father. If I split you open, pulled your spirit out, and stood it right here, and I split you open, and set your spirit here, and did the same thing there, and all of our spirit mans were lined up, there would be no differentiating us in Christ Jesus. Because we all, by the spirit, have the access to the same God. How do I say this in a way that's not offensive? <laughs> because of that truth, I need you to walk according to the Word of God. Because when I pray, and you're praying at the same time, I want to make sure we're in the same space spiritually. I want to make sure that we're both, all of us together, in the throne room of God, coming confidently to him not based on our own works but based on what Christ Jesus did for us expecting to receive mercy in our time of need I don't, I don't want you pray I, I, people tell me hey I'm going to pray over you and there are people I'll be like, I don't want you to pray over me I don't want you to touch me because I know their spirit and their spirit I don't want touching me but God through Christ Jesus makes all people accessible in the spirit to God but we need to walk as though we have the same spirit in us. Amen? I got a little Randy there for a second. I need us to understand. In the spirit man. In our spirit man. We are the same people. 
And because we are the same people and Christ died for all of us, we should treat each other like we're like we're family. Because that's what Christ made us. He made us family. Matter of fact, we were alienated, but we've been reconciled, responsible now to love one another. But now, we're being built together. Verses 19 through 22. And this, this is why I need you to, as much as I need me, to really seek after the face of God and ask Him, God, filter my life through Your Word. Because the Bible says we're of the same building. And I want to make sure all the joinery in my building is sound. I want to make sure that my roof's going to hold that our roof is going to hold. He says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but that you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That means we were built. Our foundation lies on sound, biblical preaching and teaching. Convictional preaching and teaching that's our foundation in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing to a holy temple in the Lord I'm sorry I, f I forgot a verse Pro Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone so there's a foundation and that foundation is solid only as the cornerstone exists to ensure that it is everything that it should be, to make sure that it's flush, to make sure that it's level, to make sure that it's resting correctly, make sure it's stabilized, make sure that everything that's built upon it is, is, is as accurate and right as it should be. And then that foundation of doctrinal teaching is placed upon it. And then us, together, the building in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Why do I need us to love each other? Because if this wall isn't secure, this building falls down. Christ is our cornerstone. I want to make sure, I used to build furniture for fun. And I know if a mortise doesn't fit a tenon exactly right the whole thing gets wobbly and there's too many wobbly churches there's too many wobbly Christians already it's time that we pay attention to the word the fact that it is in Christ Jesus alone that we are who we are love one another because he preached to those who were far off and those who were near come together to build that building on the foundation of biblically sound teaching and preaching with Christ Jesus as our God. Amen? That's what God calls us to. That's what God has blessed us with, to be unified and to be unified perfectly, not because of anything we did, but in everything that Christ did. Amen?